Imagine a world where men stepped up and answered God's call to reach their full potential. Imagine a world where men put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where men lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. It's not my credit to take explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christian men from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and unapologetically Christian. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Micah, how are you today, sir? It's so good. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, and thanks for being patient with the technical difficulties that we had. It may, maybe, maybe our common enemy doesn't want us to have this conversation today. Who knows? I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> My guest today is Micah Shaw. I met Micah in the spring of 2023 when he enrolled in my 7 a.m. organizational behavior and management class. And our relationship has grown beyond that of teacher-student to that of Christ-following business people and brothers seeking to glorify God's kingdom on earth. Today, Micah is the co-founder of Shiloh Creative, a revenue operations services firm that creates, captures, and nurtures revenue-generating demand for businesses with whom they partner. This, however, isn't the only business he's started. As the consummate entrepreneur, Micah started businesses as early as 13 years old, which included ventures like Access Value, where he worked with businesses to create systems that automated, streamlined, and diversified their customer acquisition process, and Revamp Pressure Washing, where he developed and implemented digital systems to streamline the acquisition and management of customers. He also recently graduated from Grand Canyon University, earning a degree in applied entrepreneurship. And if his name rings a bell, it should, as his dad, John Shaw, was a guest during episode 19 of the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. And I can say without equivocation that it's a true privilege to be part of Micah's life. Micah, welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Thank you so much, Ed. You're a fairly accomplished young man. I mean, you just recently graduated, so congratulations on that. And as I mentioned in the opening, you started businesses as early as 13. What was, what was the impetus for you to become an entrepreneur so early in life? Gosh, that's a fantastic question. I think that, so my first ever before, even before Access Value, at 13, before I decided to start my first LLC, I, uh, I did uh, shoe and sneaker reselling. So that was my little intro that's off my LinkedIn. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think my grandparents, because my parents are both educators my, most of my life. And so I think that they just fostered this like curiosity in me when I spent some time with my grandfather and he was a businessman himself. Uh, but just long to use this creative giftedness that God's given me. And I naturally just found this knack for problem solving and which we know is, is the definition of entrepreneurship <laughs> strategically putting out fire, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that, that's kind of what got the ball rolling and uh, something that I could just find some problems and see if I could solve them. That's pretty cool. I'm operating under the assumption, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that 
your your parents absolutely supported you as you as you wanted to start these things is that right yeah so that's that's part of my story actually is is uh initially out of uh, a desire to protect me and i i put them in some sketchy situations early on <laughs> one which one of which was uh i accidentally charged three thousand dollars from a overseas scammer because i had faith in this this man that i was going to sell some sneakers to so <laughs> early on i had some apprehension however yeah. it was actually my grandpa that uh solidified um their faith in me um when he was like I got to go on a trip. They take their grandchildren on a trip every every time they turn 12 or 13. So it's just me and my grandparents. And in that, I was sharing these dreams, these these aspirations of, of what I think I, I, I really am seeking out to do. But the one hindrance was the apprehension of my parents right off the bat. And then my grandpa went and laid the hammer down. He's like, guys, give them a chance. And that's when access value was born. So stepping into my dad actually had to be he had to believe in me because of the fact that i literally was 13 so i couldn't legally sign a contract right. so, <laughs> so he was a part owner but zero <laughs> zero stake in it so to speak <laughs> yeah and you've and, and you've done some you've done some interesting things and in, with i mean in a variety of different areas so you referenced the shoe and sneaker reselling. And by the way, I saw a documentary on that a couple of years ago. That That's just a fascinating industry. But you referenced access value and then later a pressure washing company. Yeah. Like what, was, what was the inspiration to, I mean, seemingly go from sell, reselling shoes to pressure washing you know, people's driveways or homes or, or, or whatever? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it is very sporadic. And I, I honestly think that um, the, the hard shifts were just like, oh, this didn't work. So I'm just going to go to the next polar opposite end of the spectrum. And uh, so that's where I was working at this in the interim between businesses. So I could have a little bit of supplemental income. I got hired on as a, a marketing manager at, at a large food delivery service company, like an e-commerce company. And so when I was learning some digital ad strategy there, then I was like, gosh, I'm tired of like running ads for somebody, putting more money in their pocket and I get made, I, I'm making 15 bucks an hour. I was like, it's time time to return back to entrepreneurship. So I started, I think I landed on like a YouTube video. That's usually where most entrepreneurial ventures start is uh, landed on a YouTube video, uh, some guy, doing pressure washing at scale. And these are like most definitely office hands, but I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. I will give it a shot. So I like spent all my savings on pressure washer, um, a trailer. Thankfully my dad had a truck that he gave me. So I, I had a truck and I had a full setup and then got a year into it. And I was like, wow, these are most definitely office hands. So <laughs> that venture pretty quickly. <laughs> For those of you who aren't watching this on YouTube, when he referenced office hands, he held his hands up to the camera. And Micah, I, I, I relate completely to that idea. My father lived in a world where they're in, in, in adopted the philosophy that there are people in the world that want to do those things. We should pay them to do them. And I advocate that myself. I mean, do it, do it yourself stuff or yard work or, you know, 
physical labor is a non-starter for for this one. <laughs> so you and I are in the same boat with office hands. Well, a couple of years ago, you founded Shiloh Creative. What was the what was your inspiration for doing that, and how has your business evolved over the last couple of years? Yeah, honestly, a big part of it was in the journey the Lord brought me through. Um, that that kind of provides context to to why. But starting out with Shiloh, I mean, Shiloh by definition in Scripture is a destination of peace. Um, and I had a lot of bad experiences in business, mainly just from being such a young young guy in professional environments. There was always this like means of of striving for affirmation and acceptance, and it's a place where peace isn't usually found because every day my validation and worth is riding on the line. Um, and so when I started Shiloh, it had come off like some side projects um, with. A, a few past clients, one of them being um, a sweet man out of California that somehow found me on Facebook and asked me, hey, can you can you make me a website? And I was like, sure. Like, if you, if you can pay me anything at that point, I was like, I, I was sacrificing, putting in sweat equity before I was making some money. And I was like, yeah, you can pay me anything. And through that time, I honestly, it was the first person that that really saw me for the value that I could bring and who I was as a person, not just like, I don't know, the surface uh, nature of, of my condition being a very, very young individual. Um, and, uh, and this guy, I mean, I just got to shower him with, I would say, uh, divine setup kind of love where I truly, it was the first time I really got to model the father's heart rightly um, in a business environment. Um, and in that time, that, that guy, I'd get calls at like 6 PM and I'd be like, gosh, normally I try to set healthy boundaries, but I was like, I feel like I should pick this up. And I answered the call and, and this guy is literally getting chemo in the hospital and says, oh. I don't have a relationship with any of my family and you're the one I want to call. Can you stay on the line? Wow. And in that moment, I was like, business can be such a vehicle to usher people to the father. Yeah. Um, and so when I just started this, when I started Shiloh, that was literally the, the primary heart behind it was to replicate experiences like that in which people can not only take a deep breath and have like a partner in anything they're wrestling through, but also just somebody to usher them and, and show them the characteristics of Jesus and really get to just partner in life with them. And so when I shared that story with my now business partner, Michael, that literally was the sole, one of the sole reasons why he decided to join forces with a then 18 year old, freshly 18 year old. I mean, he was, uh, I think 24, 25 at that time, just had his first kid. I share that story. And about a week or two later, I get a text. Hey, I'm in. I just put my two weeks in. Let's do this. Wow. And I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm, on. I'm glad you're motivated, but I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And that's kind of how Shiloh was born. That's, I, I love how you describe that, business being a, a vehicle to the father. Now, 
you and I have had uh, enough conversations and you've given me, you've given me your, your history and your backstory. There was a time in your life where you, you struggled with your faith and even not to suggest that you were atheist, but even maybe even considering, you know, that at, at some point, what did that, what did that time in your life look like for you? And how were you able to, you know, first navigate it and then later be so grounded in, in your faith in our Lord and Savior? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's only right to run you through kind of the, the foundational years of what that looked like. Um, so a little backstory for those that don't know me. I think that, I mean, I grew up in a, a very, what people would long for of a Christian home. Um, I would say we didn't know what we didn't know, but we did the best we could um, with the hearts we had at the time. I always add that yeah. little detail. But growing up, I, I uh, had some incredible parents that loved me very well. Uh, but, well, not but. However, there was, there was aspects in which being somebody that lo always looked, like God has wired me with so many gifts, um, with, with education, with just these natural wirings in which there's, there is giftedness. I immediately grew up in this like performance striving for love because I got a, a taste of that early on. And that wasn't at the fault of anyone else. That was just a heart that was longing and made to be loved by the father and be made whole in who he is. And I immediately, the first thing I stuck that in was my own striving and performance because on paper, I looked really good. And so honestly, like the building blocks of struggle was me just like white knuckling people's uh, perspectives and, and how they saw me because of the fact that, all right, I can control these things. So therefore I'm just gonna continue to look really good on paper. So I'd be involved with my church activities and quoting scripture, but all from a heart that was just longing to be loved because that was the vehicle I saw. Um, and so it created these gaps in, in my life. And I think it wasn't until, gosh, about 18 years old um, that I really, for the first time, encountered, God, encountered God's love. Um, and I'm not talking about like an emotional response in which oh everything's floating and I just feel all touchy feely. It's it's, right. it's something in which completes a person. Um, and in the areas that I lacked that most was probably late middle school, early high school. I literally didn't know love apart from what I could earn or do to gain more of um, and or people's acceptance. And so I mean, I grew up as a white knuckle striver and then you put me in positions of influence and leadership and it makes me feel really good about myself, but I still have that void in my heart in which it's just that early childlike Micah that, that longs to be wrapped by a father. Kind of like this picture, this picture I always get and I didn't, it didn't hit me. It absolutely wrecked me when it hit me. But it didn't hit me, like I said, until I actually had to go back through my past and identify those gaps, not as a means of shaming or condemning. But as I started, started to finally see God rightly, I was like, wow, like he actually can use those gaps, even if it's parents. Like I had fantastic parents, but he can use those gaps in which they aren't God 
to yeah. then usher me to the fullness of who he is. And so I think that's a big part of walking through that struggle, which was just honestly doing everything I could to feel more valuable and full of worth in which he looks at me as, I mean, you, when, when Jocelyn was born, Ed, your, your daughter, it's like she could do nothing but poop and cry. That's right. And there was just an intrinsic love that is indescribable. Yeah. And that's how the father sees all of us. Before we wake up and accomplish anything, he just adores us. And that took me 18 years to figure out, which was more than long enough. And so I think about those people that, that truly spent 70 years, like yeah. white knuckling, like I have to do something to earn it, in which he's already ever present, ever loving for that aspect alone. It's like, I made you just as you are. And yeah. that took me a long time to figure out. Yeah. Well, good for you that you figured it out at such an early age, because you referenced, you know, there are people that don't figure that out until much later in life. And how much different would their lives have been? How much more joy, how much more fulfillment would their lives have had, had they learned what you've already learned? So uh, you also reference you know, becoming a parent. And you're right. Babies do nothing but eat, sleep, and poop. And that's just the order of things. And um, our language is too primitive to adequately describe the love you feel for your child, which is why we defer to cliche. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I, I can't even, I can't even, you know, begin to fathom what, you know, how God views that given all of his children in their totality, past, present, and future. I want to touch on something that you mentioned because you were an athlete mm -hmm. growing up and I know one of the sports that you excelled at was basketball and basketball was a vehicle or sports was a vehicle for you to perform at a really high level in order to get that love acceptance and validation, which if I'm internalizing this correctly and, and please, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong is highly transactional, mm. right? It's conditional based on, maybe conditional is a better word, it's conditional based on your performance. So if you drop 30 in a game, you knew what the car ride home was going to be like. Mm. If you dropped three and you fouled out in the first half, you had an idea, however, however flawed the idea was, you had this idea that the car ride is going to be less than favorable for, for a young person who's still just trying to figure stuff out. Did you ever find yourself having like a crisis of conscience and just, uh, you know, disallowing you from showing up, you know, in, in the world better for you so you could be better for others? Yeah. Gosh, I think, I honestly think that nails it in terms of like, any, any means of performance, like sports. Um, I mean, like you said, that car ride, I love that picture. That car ride home is honestly like the condition in which I always felt in every situation I dropped into until I encountered <laughs> the truth of God's heart. Is It's almost like this, this idea of like my worth always being on the line. So mm -hmm. every day I wake up, it's like I got to make sure my worth is on the line and the reality. And I honestly think this is what fosters a lot of imposter syndrome too, is something, just something I 
continually wrestle with is this, if you see all that I really am, will you still love me? And I think that that's hardwired into the core of who we are is like, we all know to some degree, there's a flaw. There is a flaw. I mean, reality, we're not Jesus. We're not God. And so that gap is created. And a lot of times we d- pick, pick your, pick your poison, <laughs> sports, business, uh, I don't know, even something more extreme, like hard behaviors like drugs or alcohol. It's like we stick those things in the spot in which partially and temporarily fills that worth tank. And as I've played back my story, I just, I would say that I was free of, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not a struggle. I don't struggle with performance anymore just because I, I stopped playing basketball. (laughs) I don't struggle with performance anymore because, all right, I, I stopped this negative behavior, but instead of actually like allowing the source being God to fill that spot, I just put it on a more and more socially acceptable filler. <laughs> so it's like, okay, now I, I, I white knuckle strive quoting scripture and then <laughs> throwing down the truth hammer at people. Cause it makes me feel good about myself. Right. But it's like, no, it's just same lack that that same gap in my heart. I just am filling it with better things or quote unquote, better things. And so it's like, it requires us to honestly go back and it has required me to go back into my story. And that's really where the breakthrough started to come out was when I, it took the boldness and the humility to go back and actually allow God to reveal that, the root system and those gaps in that for me to trust him enough to heal. And I think that's a nature that a lot of us leave untapped. It's like, no, no, no. I'm confident in the Lord now. His truth is all head to toe over my life. But a lot of times we hit those moments in which, like even this morning when I was making, I wanted to make sure that I like my story. I, I wanted to make sure truth was coming out of my mouth because to be quite honest, my whole life, I would always hyper exaggerate certain aspects of it because there was that inadequacy. But like, but if they find out all that I am, they're going to think I'm a fraud. If they really find out, okay, I started four businesses, but literally only one was a bit profitable. I'd be a fraud. It's like, I, I quote all this scripture and I speak all these good things because I'm wise beyond my years. But if they really found out, ooh, there's still some insecurity and some, some lack. But we, if we have shame and condemnation that's met by that, obviously that's a negative thing. Yeah. However, we actually know God's heart and know him rightly. It's like he can use that gap to not only point us more to him, but to share that in that posture of humility with others that actually should usher them to him more and more as well. So I hope that answers your question. It does. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. A bunch of different directions I can go. One One of them is this idea of as we start figuring this thing out by God's grace, and as we you know as we're working through it and we're building confidence but we're we don't quite have it yet and by gosh if anyone would find out that we're not overly confident with it you know clearly we're a fraud but where do you where do you find sort of the line between communicating the truth as you see it the knowledge you've acquired hopefully wisdom within that 
communicating that to other people, not in a self-righteous way, but in a, in a manner where you believe can be helpful to them, even if you don't kind of fully believe <laughs> where that is. Because, and I ask this because one of the best ways to be a student is to simultaneously be a teacher. Like what, how, how do you, how do you reconcile, you know, that space? Um, so can you ask that question again? I want to make sure I'm answering this right. Yeah. So you, cause you referenced dropping the truth hammer. Yeah. Right? You, you've been able to fill, fill gaps with, uh, with, with the love of Jesus, you, in, you know, in lieu of deferring to a former version of yourself where it was all performance driven. And, and now you're communicating this, this knowledge and belief to other people, even if you're still working through it yourself. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you work through this idea that you're, you're communicating the, the truth as you see it primarily to be helpful, but also wanting to learn at the same time and you're, you're, you're learning as you teach. Yeah. Does that help? Totally. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that, that inviting people into the obviously past revelation of what God's brought me through mm -hmm. helps solidify truth because it, it brings humanity to it. Um, I think that's been the greatest vehicle to, lovingly lay the truth hammer, if you will, <laughs> is ultimately invite people into the fact that, hey, this is what he has brought me through. And this truth, I've actually experienced this, not from this like high horse pedestal of, you know, speak, let me speak down to you here. <laughs> right. But and again, the word that keeps coming to mind is, is this, this humble, this gentle approach in Matthew. I don't know where it's at off the top of my head, but it's when Jesus for the first time describes the nature of his heart. Like the only time in scripture is I am gentle and lowly yeah. and both words pointing back to this humble spirit of, I actually want to invite you into the aspects that God has taken me through because that's the only truth I can really stand on. And then we look at scripture and then all of a sudden, now that I know that these, these flawed views of how I've seen him in the past have been so far from his true character. And that's the aspect of like, when I now read his promises, read his truth, it's, it's mind boggling because I'm like, it almost yeah. feels like I'm following a different guy. Like the guy that I grew up with following is so, so real to me now. And so I think, but the, the hardest part is that especially in Christian culture, and I only speak, know this from experience, is that we're really good at sharing what he's brought us through, which is a vehicle to his truth. However, when it comes to like present day, like we, we act like we've reached this like finish line of sanctification. Hmm. Where it's, yep, he has healed me and sanctified me. Therefore, I can only share good things going forward because God's faithful. It's like, so he just used the woundedness and the brokenness of your past. So why wouldn't you expect, of course, he's securing us more and more in our confidence in him. Yeah. However, that's not to say that we're not going to struggle. We're not going to hit roadblocks in, but they may look different, 
and be different depths and and wrestles. However, I think that's the beauty of what the Lord's been bringing me into now is like, what does it look like to speak confidently in like what he's currently doing in my life? Ultimately saying, I'm not the orchestrator of freedom and sanctification. He's actually the one doing it. Because back to my initial point of us taking credit (laughs) for the things in which we do well is the fact that there is a glory that he's designed with that in which there's the expectation that we have to do it again. And when we're talking about the matter of his sanctifying work and making us more into his image, man, if I take any credit for that, then the pressure is on for me to do that miracle again. (laughs) I can't carry that. So I think what it looks like to stand in his truth is honestly to live it instead of just say it. And I think that's really new for me is I'm really good at articulating God's goodness, but I need to show you that and, and actually outwardly be an extension of the truth that I'm proclaiming, because if not, I'm all empty words. So I think that's honestly a current wrestle but of like, what does that more and more look like? But is something that I think the Lord's restoring is, Hey, actually I want to my, my, my truth and my love, the the true nature of who I am to be modeled, not just talked about. So I don't, I hope that answers your question again, but it, it does. It's so good. I'm, I'm curious with this preface, we know biologically how our, our brain works in this in the sense that it, it creates efficiencies and our brain's all about energy conservation and we create what's called neuromuscular habit. These are these grooves that ultimately get cut that uh, allow us to emote first, that's the chemistry, and then we have a physical sensation. Well, it's probably fair to say, uh, based on your life experience, that living that white-knuckled performance-based um, contingent conditional life where, you know, those things, you know, equated, at least in your, your young mind to love and acceptance, that that's a fairly deep neurochemical groove that's been cut. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't go away, you know, in, you know, instantaneously. And now fast forward to where you are in your life, we're standing in God's truth. Do you ever find that you struggle with the previous version of yourself that looked to that that equated your performance to love and acceptance and you know if so how do you snap yourself out of it mm-hmm. wow very profound question honestly i think that oh, wow yeah i think that the nature of him because like you said, it almost, in other words, defines our root system of like, mm-hmm. okay, those things don't just, it's not just like a, even a single prayer, not that God can't do that, but sometimes it's not just like, a, all right, heal all the woundedness of my past, all the <laughs> downfalls of, of, of times I've been hurt. Of course, that's, it's not instantaneous, but as we start to even shift our view and and tangibly understand God's goodness and like that he is love, then everything that we once saw as like 
negative or, or uh, condemning, then almost starts to be reshaped, starting with the truth of his nature. Because now there are moments, gosh, even today when I was walking back through my story, the Lord will bubble up stuff, meaning things that I, I even thought were like, oh, that's been healed up. All right, cross that off yeah. onto the next. But those things then almost become celebrated. I mean, it's not easy. It doesn't say it's, oh, woundedness. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but I know his heart and his truth. So when I look back at those moments, sometimes he does reveal another degree or another depth, maybe not an ultimate shift now, yeah. but another depth of like, whoa, he wants to heal that up. And, and for me to go back to go forward even more. And so nowadays when he reveals stuff, I hold on to the truth because I know his heart that, oh, he wouldn't reveal this if he doesn't want to heal it. And I think, I don't know the psychological principles behind that or the, the actual neurochemistry. However, I do know God's heart. And gosh, if, if he wants to take me back, even to some of my deepest pains, once again, even though it feels like I've, that's been a countless thing. I know for a fact that he's going to turn it into something that either helps me share my story a little bit more and usher just maybe one more person to him or bring me to another depth of peace. And by peace, I don't mean this outcome base. Oh, wow. Everything's floating again. What that peace, <laughs> my definition is unity with the father. So yeah. I'm actually after I'll chase head on anything that's blocking not as like sin or behavior management, but like if there's anything even in my past that's creating blockage for me communing with God, I want to go after those. So that's been the shift, if that, if that makes sense. It does. Everything that you just said out loud is, let me start that over. Everything that you just said out loud in many ways flies in the face of contemporary culture. I mean, if you were working in a secular organization and you articulated everything that you've said throughout this conversation so far, you would likely be fired. And it makes me curious, it's like, how, how are you so bold in your faith? Like with, with Shiloh, in the name itself, it's destination of peace, it's scriptural. Your name is scriptural. And you, you are open and forthcoming and bold and strong in communicating your faith in a world that is less and less open to the ideas that you're communicating. So much so that people that are, are, are you know, strong, principled Christ followers don't go anywhere near this conversation in some circles for fear of being canceled. Mm -hmm. how, how, how are you so confident how are you so grounded in this where you're, you're, you've really taken, in many ways, an uncompromising position when it comes to the Lord? Hmm. Honestly, I would say that I spent 18 years of my life, 18 years of my life, trying to make myself seem like somebody I wasn't, or years in advance in a place that I really wasn't, and I felt empty. Those are attempts to make me feel whole and completed, but gosh, I was empty. And so 
and I, I was now keenly aware that like there was those gaps and those lacking needs that the Lord intrinsically wired in me. And so now that I have a keen awareness of, wow, like we don't do things, do the things we do for no good reason. Like there are yeah. driving motives and driving factors and forces that cause us to domino effect, do the things we do. And so, the, but because I invited the Lord into that process, it honestly is an ever, ever working solution. Meaning this no longer is, I think something the Lord broke off for this boldness to happen was like a destination experience mm. in which I was seeking and stepping and always working towards something when he just invited me to, in scripture, to, to lie down in green pastures and just allow him to face up, work on what he wants to work on, and then walk hand in hand with him going forward. And I think that's the posture in which I, I get to lead Shiloh with, is not me trying to make myself seem like a leader that I admire or somebody that I'm not. It's, hey, let me invite you in to who I am, because I spent my, even though it's not that long in the grand scheme of things, 18 years, I spent 18 years trying to be somebody I'm not, and then experiencing the detriment of not being fully known and fully loved. But yeah. now, like, God is the only one that when he looks at you and I, Ed, he literally sees all that we hide, all that we are. And he still chooses to wrap us in his embrace. I think when that's the picture, it's like, why wouldn't I model that for other people of, okay, we live in a world that wants to silence incompetency, in that wants to silence inadequacy. Because no, 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 we're self-help. We want to make us feel really good about ourselves. And it's like, in reality, I've strived towards making myself feel really good. And it didn't work. Like, there was still an aspect of my personhood that needed completed completion. Yeah. And so to answer your question more simply, I think the confidence in God truly comes from finally giving him access to all that I am, not just the parts that I want him to heal, but the parts that even bring me to the end of myself. And it brings this new form of confidence where it's not rooted in like, wow, I'm a principled, strong Christian man. That that term gets redefined for me because yeah. it's just, we're created, we're not creating my life to not need God. I'm ushering myself and putting myself out there so that I will never be in a position where I don't need him. And that needs to be talked about more. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope that that is clear enough, but it's, re it's really well said. You and I are on parallel paths with regard to our, our businesses in that, and, 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 and please correct me if I'm wrong on, on this assessment where the proclamation of our faith is so central to who we are. Our businesses are simply extensions of of who we are and how we go about living our lives, and we readily accept that there are uh, other people or other businesses that will choose not to not to work with us, not to partner with us because of that fact, and we're okay with it. Is that fair? One hundred percent. Yeah. 
What would you tell, as we get close to the end of the conversation today, what would you tell a young entrepreneur starting out about uh, you know some of the things that you've learned along the way, um, you know, just like uh, like maybe your top two or three nuggets, like you know, wisdom, uh, data points, what, whatever we want to call it. What would you tell a young entrepreneur just starting out um, that is has this wonderful idea and wonderful vision for this thing, but either a doesn't know quite how to bring it to bear, or b is in the thick of it and it's not going well. Hmm. Wow. Bring me back to my early days. Right. <laughs> um, goodness. I think, honestly, first and foremost, um, I think any business leader, like to fully lead well, like there's got to be an invitation of the Holy Spirit and God to be a part of it, truly. Um, and I don't say that as just a Christian cliche, as you say. It truly, like, I, I don't know how I would do this without him. Hmm. I, I think, it, and it's not this, like, I think when we, when we dance around specific prosperity moments or prosperity gospels, it's not just this working relationship with God. It's like there is a divine communion that I need when I wake up every morning whatever task at hand. And I invite him into every, I tr imperfectly, but I try to invite him into everything, every little decision and conversation that I have. Because when I say I want his will to be done, I want my will to align with his. And yeah. whatever I do, because I know it doesn't work if I'm just going off a path that I set for myself, is to really make sure that there's just a increased dependency on him and then tactically speaking, like when it comes to growing a business, I'd say the biggest thing for me was to free myself of the expectation of hitting a destination. Um, meaning working towards this, like not to, that we can't have goals. I think goals are super valuable, but that my worth <laughs> is on me hitting X point. Yeah. Therefore, I can trust and allow God to lead me now not just when I hit that. Um, that's been one of the biggest hurdles that I've had to jump through is like, if I wake up leading a business with something riding on the line for me to hit whatever that point is, why would I expect for breakthrough and peace now? Because something's on the line. And so especially young people in business, I mean, we get things thrown at us because, oh, you guys think you're really good or, oh, you need some wisdom. It's like, it's, there's truth to that. But rather than like, when we look at those gaps in which we don't meet with God, those can be celebrated yeah. because it shows that he will fill those. And it actually empowers us to do these immeasurable things that we literally couldn't have done on our own. So that spills over outside of business too, but no doubt. That I think that's that's kind of the primary things that I've experienced is we build businesses either for passivity <laughs> or to not like for a security in which, oh yeah, we don't we can rely on our savings accounts and our cash flow. But it's like when it's a spirit dependent, God dependent business, he's gonna bring us through those moments to prepare yeah. us for abundance 
in which we still need him because he was the source of why all of this worked in the first place. That's right. So that's my answer. That's very well said. That's so good. It's very well said. This is this has been such a wonderful conversation, Micah. I I meant what I said in the opening that it, it's a true privilege to be a part of your life, however small, in the grand scheme uh, of your life. Uh, it, it's been an absolute blessing, and I I, ab- I look forward to you know continuing to build that relationship and our brotherhood in in Jesus. Before we before we wrap, would you mind praying us out? Gladly. Oh Lord, I just uh, gosh, I thank you so much for just putting Ed in my life first and foremost. Or what a great model of somebody who has palms up surrendered his life to you. Somebody who says this is all yours, Father. So I thank you for his leadership in that. For not just me, but all the lives that he's impacting. Lord, I just, any heart that's listening to this right now, I pray that you can soften and allow them to see the things that may have been blocking them from seeing you rightly. Um, Lord, whether it be business, family, any position in which we've been carrying the weight of pressure or expectation that we've put on ourselves, that something's riding on the line, Lord, I pray that you break that free for anybody listening. And for Ed and myself as well, Lord, more and more, rid us of this striving towards self-reliance and allow us to step into the goodness of who you are and uh, see what fruit and beauty and awe comes from that, Lord. So I thank you. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That was awesome. Micah, thank you again for taking time to have this conversation and you have a, you have an extraordinarily bright future ahead of you, not only in business, but in all other aspects of your life. And I know you know this, but just for the sake of saying it out loud, keeping, keeping Jesus, uh, you know, first and foremost, front and center is, is the answer. No doubt about it. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Ed. You're welcome. God bless. All right. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.